Hello, beautiful basketball fans. Welcome to this week's episode of We Have a Take, the what podcast. You can find us on Twitter at We Have a Take. I'm Cassidy, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host with the mostest. She's the newest Ted Lasso fan on the block. It's Tara. How are you doing today, Tara? I'm good. I'm doing my best to like get through Ted Lasso before my Apple Plus uh, free trial expires. And I'm about halfway there, so I'm feeling good like I'm going to be able to finish it. So thank you for the recommendation of the show. I appreciate it because <laughs> it's fun. Awesome. And we are joined by two members of Norman Powell's old basketball family and the hosts of the Fem-led Raptors podcast, Dishes and Dimes. Welcome to the show, Sandy and Kelsey. Hello. Thank you for having us. We're super excited. Thank you for having us. We're excited that you're here. And in honor of our selfie king, Gary Trent Jr., we're going to do a little bit of an icebreaker. And we're wondering... Where would be your ultimate dream selfie location? Like anywhere in the world. Yeah. uh, I just want to get out of Canada. So like (laughs) anywhere else. Like I could be in like Minnesota and I wouldn't care as long as like I'm not in Toronto, Canada at this present moment. So that's my answer. That's how down bad we are, is that Sandy just said that she would like to go to Minnesota to take a selfie. <laughs> I literally don't care where, just anywhere, just not here. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Um, yeah, that's that's about the stage of the pandemic I think we're at right now. Um, how about you, Kelsey? Uh, that's a tough one. Probably if I could like time travel, maybe on the bus with Kyle Lowry uh, during the championship parade. I did get to take a selfie at the Big Buddha in Hong Kong wearing my Ben Wallace jersey. So that one was pretty good. But yeah, probably time travel back to the championship parade. I like it. Tara, how about you? Oh, I had a hard one this time with this one. I'm so bad at selfies and I just don't, I don't even have any idea where to start. But the one thing that like popped to my head was after the Blazers won the championship in 1977, there's this iconic photo of this guy sitting on top of the basket. Like he somehow made it up there. And so there's this great picture of him up on top of the basket. So I think it would be fun to recreate something like that. I like it. Um, Well, this one was like, Tara asked me this question and I was like, oh, I know. I just know. And for me, it is going to be in an empty Madison Square Garden in the middle of the court. That's what I've, since childhood, I've always thought like, that's where you go for basketball stuff, even though, you know, the Knicks. But um, so I think that's my location, like drone above footage laying on the court. Let's go crazy. Oh, you're going to be laying on the court. That's a cool one. Yeah. I mean, so much more than just NBA basketball has happened in there. So that would be that would be cool for just like the layers and layers of history in there. Nice. Well, now that we've talked about selfies, let's get to know you all a little bit better. And I know we talked to Kelsey before, but that was a while ago. And I think that was when we were still uh, another podcast at another place. And now we're a new podcast at a new place. So... Um, how did y'all get into basketball? So, uh, for me, I've always like my whole family's into sports, uh, specifically with basketball. My mom was a big, like a huge Bulls fan. So 
you know, there'd be nights where she would stay up to watch the Bulls. Um, and that was kind of my introduction to basketball. So it was her and my brother kind of had like a, a thing where they would stay up and, and watch games when the Raptors came. Um, it became their, their thing. Um, and then it kind of, because I was kind of forced to watch it, uh, it became my thing too. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my introduction to sports, but I've always been surrounded by it. It was, it was bound to happen. I just had to give in at that point. <laughs> How about you, Kelsey? Um, so I grew up with four brothers, all who played hockey. So there wasn't really like time for basketball in my family. It's kind of something that I picked up later in life. Like, you know, you would see like these highlight videos and it was just, it was so amazing to me because you watch something like hockey and it's skates and sticks and equipment and this, that, and the other. And then you watch basketball and it's none of that. It's just pure athleticism. So I think that's what kind of drew me to that instead of other sports. And it's kind of just been an obsession ever since. Um, well, I know we've talked a little bit about dishes and dimes in the past, but we're kind of wondering if you want to tell us a little bit about how that got started and all about the podcast. Sandy should take this one. It's her baby. <laughs> um, ugh, okay. So essentially, um, I don't know. I was on Twitter. I was having one of those, you know, episodes where I'm just, you know, tweeting for absolutely no reason. And I uh, just randomly put up, put out a tweet saying that I wanted to see um, uh, or listen to a Raptors podcast led by women because, you know, it's dominated by men. Um, and it kind of went semi-viral and people were like, oh, you should do it. You should do it. I wasn't quite sure that I wanted to be a part of it, but I, I knew that I wanted to see it happen. Um, so I strategically chose a couple of women on the timeline that I thought were brilliant and funny and already had their thing going on already. I, I'm just really lucky that they said yes, essentially, like, Thank God Kelsey said yes. I love her. Uh, so, you know, I hit them up. They said they were down to do it. And it became a thing. We never really met in person. Like the majority of us had never met in person. Um, so it was kind of, you know, I, I don't know. We enjoyed each other on um, the timeline and it kind of worked. And here we are a year later talking to you guys. It's crazy. Awesome. Tara, did you have any more questions about pod? Yeah, I listened to Dishes and Dimes. It's so great. Good job. I like I'm just so impressed. You guys all you you know so much and you're funny and uh you clearly have great chemistry where you get along with each other and you just bring um a, a great energy to uh to the podcast. I love it. Um what was it like when you got when y'all got started? Like um, did you have like, were you just burning with a fire to like be women talking about basketball or was it more like, I'm super excited to just have a chance to talk about basketball and have people interact with us? What what was the, the beginning and where did it go from there? So when we first started out, our friend Mal had it down to like a science. She had like a schedule. She had like time periods for each topic. She had it broken down in Google Docs. And then after like the first episode, it just kind of went off the rails. Like the first one we tried to stick to like talking points, this, that, the other segments. And then by the second episode, that was completely out the window. And we just pretty much just listened to ourselves talk. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Well, it works. And so, I mean... 
what a way to do it. I mean, I mean, poor Google Doc though. It does, it does kind of, it's always disappointing when you make something so beautiful and then it just goes off the rails. <laughs> we have one usually now, but it's just like, here's things we can talk about, not here's five minutes designated to this segment. Right. <laughs> exactly it. Yep. Yeah. Well, as another women-led podcast, and uh, we are excited um, to be talking to you, but also I feel like our two cities have now kind of bonded a little bit more. Um, well, the trade deadline has came and went since we last recorded, and the moves were made and tears were shed. As Rip City said farewell to our fan favorites, Gary Trent Jr. and Rodney Hood. Meanwhile, a fan base 2,618 miles away in Toronto, Canada, bid adieu to a man that touched their hearts and helped them win an NBA championship, Norman Powell. Now we are two fan bases bonded over a fashion icon, a fourth overtime legend, and a dog lover that captured the heart of a nation. How do y'all feel about the trade? That was such a perfect, like... Oh, like, um, we're still a mess, (laughs) like a mess, especially after the Tribune. Like, I, I regret every horrible thing I said about Norm over the course of last year. Like, I take it back. Norm, come back to us. I, ugh. Yeah, I'll let Kelsey be eloquent because I'm not, I'm not there yet. So. I mean, I feel like it's when, you know, when your kids go off to college and he's he's grown, he's flown the nest, but like I've known Tara for a couple of years, so I know that he's in good hands and I've never had a bad interaction with a Blazers fan. There's a lot of fan bases out there that I would not want to send him to as we saw with Mark Gasol going to the Lakers, but I feel so confident that he's with the Blazers and he said it the best in his Players' Tribune piece because he wanted to go to a contender and they felt like they could use him. And we in this position aren't really trying to contend for anything. So he's happy to be there because he knows that he's important to them. And I just think that Norm exudes such Portland energy that he's going to be so perfect for you guys. And Gary exudes such Toronto energy that he's perfect for us. Like it was literally a match made in heaven. So I'm not sad I'm very happy for the next chapter of each of their careers. And I'm happy for rarely do you get like a trade where it works out that both fan bases are like, we're going to take care of this person. I don't think it's ever happened. So I think we both, both fan bases got so, so lucky. It's funny that you say about him, about how you think about the players in trades like this as going off to college, because that's exactly how I think of it. And like, I've never really been that upset by trades because to me, like your kids grow up and you want them to go and floor. I'm sure it'd be great if they wanted to live around along forever, but you want them to go and flourish somewhere. You want them to go somewhere where they can spread their wings and where they can like experience new and different things. And then once they're gone, they're still like a part of your family. They were once a part of your family. They're never not going to be part of your family unless they're Raymond Felton. Otherwise, you know, you're just like really glad that they're out there experiencing in the world and other people get to know them and appreciate them for who they are. So, and I'm trying to figure out like what it is about this particular trade that the fan bases have been like that. And I'm wondering, and it's 
I'm wondering if part of it is because we're in sort of subsections of each of each of our fan bases that are like super female dominated. And we just all kind of like had that mom gene kick in, <laughs> whether or not we were parents. But, you know, we uh, might have just really identified with, you know, having a relationship with somebody and then wanting to see them grow and thrive. You know what another funny thing is, too? I think it was Iman that mentioned it on one of our lives. She said that someone told her Toronto is the only fan base that calls their players by their first name. And I was like, no, Portland does it too. You have Dame, you have CJ, you have Gary. We have, you know, Norm, Fred, Pascal. So I think that's got something to do with it too, is we we feel very connected to our players the same way that Portland fans do. Yeah, I don't think I had realized that until this trade. And I was like, oh, wow, like... That's two very special fan bases when you really break it down who love players to that extent where it was like, take care of him. We'll take care of, we'll take care of Norm if you'll take care of Gary and Rodney. And it was just like these moments of like fandom where it doesn't have to be this like big, like who won the trade? Like sometimes everybody wins. Sometimes the best place for everybody is a new place. And as much as I don't want to say that about Gary, I mean, he had a career high the other night for y'all. So it's sad, but we're we're making it. Um, but we're really curious about our newest blazer. And we're kind of hoping that you two can take us through the journey of Storm and Norman's career. Um, does anybody have any draft memories? Just kind of being like, what? Okay, because it was so late in the draft. I think he was a 46 pick. So you don't really think you don't think that anything's really going to come of it when you get picks that late, which I mean, we've proven the Raptors, especially that really doesn't matter where you're selected in the draft or if you're selected at all. And then his rookie season was when we were in the playoffs, the first round against the Indiana Pacers. And he had that massive dunk that just kind of changed the whole energy of the series. And that's when he kind of became like, a raptor. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like you never really think the 47th pick is going to amount to much. Um, so you hear the name and you're like, ah, okay, sure. Like I'm gonna let y'all rock. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what. Okay, sure. Um, so to see the trajectory of his career up until this point has been such, it, it's been, you know, you know what it, it, I think, for myself, myself, I can only speak for myself. I didn't really appreciate it until the trade happened. And I was like, wow, like he's actually, there aren't a lot of uh, players that are able to be <laughs> the 47th pick and, and become so good that he plays himself out of a contract with, um, with the team that they're with. Um, and so guys, you're going to love him. He's like, the sweetest he's such a hard worker um he he's just he's he's great you guys are gonna love him honestly you're gonna, you're gonna love him so yeah yeah i want to hear more of those stories i want to know like what are some of the things um that you know he's known for some of the things where the fan base went oh like with gary um he 
the way the things usually work with the Blazers is like when you're a rookie, you don't play very much. And then your second year, you might play a little bit, but it's on a pretty short, like if you make one mistake, you're out of there. Um, but on, in Gary's second year, like things just happened where he ended up playing and he just like shocked everybody. And we're like, Oh, and he entered the floor with like just this confidence just oozing out of every pore and we're like who's the second year guy who's gonna get like yanked to the second he does something wrong and it's like oh he's not doing things wrong so like that's kind of how uh gary's development as a as a player went along do you remember um or recall uh specific things with norm that happened when he was a younger player yeah, so Norm, when he was younger, I mean, Dwayne Casey was the coach, and he gave Norm a relatively long leash just because we didn't have that much depth at that point. So Norm was able to do things. He didn't get to do the things that he does now. He wasn't, you know, starter Norm. He was always coming off the bench. But the thing about Norm is he was always humble, and he was always ready. So you could put him pretty much in any scenario, and he was ready to give you the business when his role got bigger and he was asked to do more, that's when he kind of took a little bit of a tumble because he started to overthink things, thinking that he had to kind of be the man. And once he realized that he didn't have to be the man, is that's when he really flourished. So putting him beside CJ and Dame is actually going to be like, you're going to see this incredible Norman Powell because he doesn't have to be a number one option. He just gets to to be himself and do what he does best, which is being a third or fourth option. Yeah, I think, and the way you described him, the the humble and ready, that's what Portland looks for, I think, in most players, because that's just what fits the leadership style of the team. And so it makes a lot of sense because there's there's a lot of names we hear thrown around um, who we should pick up in Portland. And sometimes I'm like, would that work in the locker room? Like, I understand everyone saying, like, maybe that would work on the court, but, like, if it doesn't work on the locker room, doesn't work on the court long term and so having someone that kind of just fits that vibe it makes sense and I mean he's been kind of that Portland vibe and we saw 22 points in his first game so I think that took away the Gary hurt a little bit um do you guys have uh, either of you have a favorite off season or an on-court moment every time he plays the Bucks is a good on-court moment because he yep. is Norm Powell, Buck Hunter. Um, the Game 5 dunk is my favorite on-court moment. I do have a favorite off-court moment, though. Okay. Well, we so, want that, too. We want it all. Sure. So I was at um, one of the covering one of the Raptors 905 games in the G League, and it was, um, it was bobblehead night. They had, like, this three bobblehead nights in the season where guys from the Raptors 905 that were part of the championship Raptors team would go and be honored and they'd have a bobblehead of them. So he was there. It wasn't his. I think it was Fred's. But as the night went on, he just kept getting progressively more snacks. So like he was sitting courtside and he had popcorn. He had Twizzlers. He had Skittles. He had chocolate. He had nachos. I think he had a hot dog and he had like a giant drink and a bottle of water. Like by the end, his his seat was just covered in snacks. And I was like, he's so relatable. I mean, that sounds like the best way to watch a game. That's yeah, amazing. You're a game honoring your friend and teammate, it doesn't get much better than that. <laughs> I love someone who will just eat all the snacks, like give them all. Uh, 
That's amazing. So he did he go down and play it for the Raptors in I know five um, for a while. He did. I think it was about. I can't remember the exact number of games, but he did. And then mm-hmm. he, he didn't stay very long, but a lot of the guys there get developed. They develop down there or they I think he said in his players tribune thing that it was DeMar DeRozan who told him, told him prove that you don't belong there. And he did. And but he still does credit the 905 and the 905 coaching staff for a lot of his development. Oh, I wish the Portland had a regular G League team that they had a regular relationship with. I think that would be that would be so nice. It just seems like so vital right now. But but no, unfortunately, we don't. How um, about you, Sandy? Uh, favorite on or off court moments? Yeah, I was going to say the Bucks. Like whenever he faces the Bucks for whatever reason, maybe it's because they're the team that traded him. He just, I don't know. There's like a there's like a switch that flips on, and I can't wait for you guys to experience it on your end. You're going to absolutely love it. I'm so um, excited. Yeah, like it's it's. I don't know what it is. It's, as soon as he sees that uniform, he becomes like he, he just becomes a different player. So on court. Definitely uh, the Bucks. I'm trying to think of an off-court. I don't know. Like, even every, like, interview that he's done, he's just really relatable and really, like, sweet. Just seems like such a cool person that you actually would want to hang out with, which is not something that you typically get. But I think a lot of the guys on the Raptors kind of have come from, you know, the G League. And had to work themselves um, to the positions that they're at now. So when you are interviewing them, they just have a different vibe to them. It's like, yeah, I happen to be a millionaire playing basketball. It's I'm I'm still you know a regular dude, not really, but um, <laughs> I don't know. Like I can't really pinpoint a particular like off court moment. It's just a, an accumulation of of moments that I, I love from Norm. He's just so down to earth, like. Yeah. You know, most guys, they get their first NBA paycheck. They go and they buy a Lamborghini or something. Norm drives a Tesla. Yep. He is a very environmentally conscious, frugal young man. His first he, purchase was a Tesla. And I think he's learning. He, he learned sign language over the course of the, the pandemic. Um, when they when the, the shutdown happened, um, he uh, wanted to learn. So he, he's. He's currently learning something. He's just a cool dude. Like, this is so cool. You guys are going to love him. Oh, my goodness. Well, you guys mentioned Milwaukee kind of being the a, almost a rival in a way to Norm. Any specific players we should watch out for when playing with Norm Powell? Um, Middleton? Like, just, I don't know. It's just when he sees the uniform, he's going to score like 30 points. That's just... That's just what Powell does. He's going to dunk. He's going to score like 30 points. Um, I would say Middleton. Like whenever there's a matchup there, he'll, he'll, he'll kill it. I'm, I'm just really excited for that game. I'm going to watch that game just to see what his first Bucks game is like with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that, that's what I would say. I'm wondering who his like Western now that he's in the West, who is right. his Western Conference Bucks gonna be? And I'm I'm gonna say the Jazz. 
I was just gonna say that. I was gonna hope because that's who Gary's in. Gary is in the jazz's head. Um, oh, perfect. One oh, of my yeah. favorite Gary's moments, and he didn't even have to do anything except for be his like perfect self. Uh, but in the Utah Jazz game, which I think it was the one that the that Portland actually lost on the goaltend non call, and. Damian Lillard was livid after the game. Just absolutely. And he, there, there's this great photo of the coach holding Damian Lillard back. And it wasn't like a hold me back moment. It was a, like Damian was going to like lay hands on. He was going to like hit somebody. Yeah. He was going to hit somebody. <laughs> he was going to hit somebody. And Rudy Gobert standing there like looking like really scared. And then Gary Trent just like calmly sitting in the middle. Kind of like you could tell he was sort of looking back and forth between both of them. But then afterwards, Donovan Mitchell... And and his post-game uh, interview was like, well, I don't know who Gary Trent Jr. thinks he is. And we were like, yes, Gary has gotten Donovan Mitchell's head. So hopefully that will continue for him and to your mm-hmm. advantage. That's yeah. great to know. Thanks. <laughs> I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> he also had a Paul George moment that I know this is supposed to be a Norman oh, Powell that thing, is perfect. but I, my favorite all time, all time Gary moment was in the bubble. Oh my God. It was so good. I feel yeah. terrible for like loving this so much. I don't really, but I should. No, it's um, wonderful. Somebody, I think it was Nas Little, maybe as when, as maybe Wenyan Gabriel was fighting for the ball, ended up dislodging the ball from Paul George People fell down. Paul George is lying on the ground. Gary comes from one end of the court, grabs the free the ball that has popped free, jumps over Paul George, who's lying on the ground, continues to dribble down the court, throws an alley-oop lob to Anthony Simons, who dunks it. It's poetry. It was absolute poetry. That is a norm move. That is, don't worry. You're going to see some stuff like that with Norm too. Absolutely. Don't worry. Don't worry. We are. So I can't wait. Oh I'm so excited. Actually, you know what? Norm's moment, Norm's playoff moment in Indiana was when Paul George was still with Indiana. And I think he got the steal from Paul George yeah. and then just dunked it into oblivion. He did. So yeah, we've traded one um, Paul George terror for another. I love it. I mean, and then when Gary gets in his mind that he wants to stop someone. He just goes for it in a way that like we haven't seen very often in recent years. And like, even if it's just kind of scrappy, sometimes he's just like all in just all in. And I just appreciate it. Um, And I hope that the defense is easier to pick up. On the Toronto end for him than um, it has been. Yeah, in he's going to be able to pick it up because Nurse doesn't play when it comes to defense like that. You have to be sound defensively before you get minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and and we've seen it. Like he's been really great in the last couple of games that he's been in. Like I've been really pleasantly surprised. Um, I, I think he's going to develop really well in the system. Um, so I I'm interested to see how how that continues to uh, develop moving forward. I'm I'm curious what you would uh, kind of how you would describe his game and what like the best uh, types of situation uh, are for him in games and where he might struggle. For Norm, Norm actually does really well in high pressure situations. I mean, sometimes he makes, you know, some boneheaded mistakes, but who doesn't? But he 
he seems to bring this calmness when it is a high pressure situation, when it is, you know, game on the line. Defensively, off ball, he's not the greatest, but that's something that he's not really going to have to have to do as much when he's got someone like CJ or like Dame or or Nurkic beside him, who I feel like is going to be his best friend of all time. But I just I think that the way that Norm plays both offensively and defensively is something that is going to translate really well with the Blazers. I mean, we like anything that means positive defense. Um, yeah, uh, the same thing. Like I, I, I would say, like off that off ball, maybe not so great um, defensively. But again, high pressure moments, he's great. Um, when you need him to hit the, especially this season, he's been spectacular. Like, like off ball, you, you, you that catch and shoot. You give Norm the the ball, he's making the shot. Like. It got to a point where whenever he had the ball, it was just like, okay, yeah, this is going in. And his finishing has gotten significantly um, better as well this season. So, uh, yeah, he's going he's gonna to be great for you guys, especially because he can depend on a CJ and he can depend on a – I'm forgetting his name. Dame. Okay. Oh, Dame. Right. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Forgiven. Um, so, so you got my Dame shirt on. Uh, right. I should have I should have just read it. Um, so – now that he can depend on them um, and he doesn't really have to uh, create his own shot, really, um, he'll, he'll, he'll be great. He'll be great. Wow. Well, we've covered a lot of the on-court stuff. We want to know a little bit more about the off-court stuff. Um, and we have discovered Odin and Apollo, uh, his dogs. Um, and any fun Odin and Apollo stories? Anything we need to know? I mean, this is a dog saga that I will be following closely um for sure and if it I I need this to be a story <laughs> I remember when it was just Apollo before he got Odin and Apollo had his own Instagram and now he's Apollo Apollo and Odin so he's yeah he's had Apollo for a couple years I'm not sure how many definitely since I think at least his second season so, but he like throws them birthday parties and he gets them like little pup cakes. And it's just, it's so funny to watch this grown man in such like a macho profession run an Instagram account actively for his dogs using his voice as the voice of the dogs. I don't know if there's much more in the world that I love than that. Like, that's like a pinnacle moment for me. I was like so upset about Gary and someone sent me the dogs and I was like, oh, oh, we're going to be okay. It's go- it's going to be okay. He throws birthday parties for his dogs. This is incredible. I think I love him. Um, it was like a really quick, like, I mean, as we all talked about, it was kind of a mess for all of us emotionally for that trade. And I think just the dogs were a big thing. Do we know if the dogs get along with cats? Because we do have Blaze, our mascot. Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I'm going to have to get some more intel on the dogs and I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm all about this, this dog life. Um, so I have a question about understand the grind. Um, he comes with his own slogan, as does Gary Trent Jr., by the way. If you haven't found Just Be Great, that's his slogan. 
Um, but I understand that norms is understand the grind. And I'm actually on under uh, normanpowell.com right now. I'm wondering, do either of the two of you own any uh, understand the grind or uh, Norman Powell uh, gear? I have a Norman Powell bobblehead from the bobblehead night that I mentioned. And but that's about it. I don't think I no, I don't. I don't own any understand the grind. I think I have a sweater. I do. I it's not here though. But I do have an un, um, understand the grind um, sweater. Uh, but besides jerseys, I don't have anything else. Do you feel like you understand the grind now? <laughs> yeah, after the championship run, yeah, definitely understand the grind. <laughs> oh, he has a cute zip up hoodie that says understand the grind. What does it have on the back of it? Oh, I'm not nearly as cute as the two girls wearing it, though, unfortunately. But it is a zip-up hoodie. I'm thinking about the Understand the Grind women's zip-up hoodie. He has these cute um, uh, superhero collection. Storm and Norman. Is that really a thing? It must be if there's t-shirts made. Yeah, we do call him Storm and Norman, so <laughs> we do. When he's in his uh, his zone. Against the Bucks. Yeah, he's not. He's Storm and Norman. He's with the Norm. Norm God. Yep. Yeah. I love all that. We had a hard time settling on a a nickname for Gary Trent. He didn't really like come with one. He seems like kind of the person who likes to be addressed by his actual name. I tried really hard to do hashtag Apple Valley's finest, but it never um, really caught on. And then uh, another Blazer fan came up with 100% Trent, which I thought was pretty cool. Um, But if you all can like, you know, come up with something else, like we don't have any, we never like really nailed that down for him. So good luck. I we can try and make Apple Valley's finest happen. We'll I try. like it. We'll try. <laughs> I always call him the fashion icon and the king of the, and then you just do the hand gesture. Um, but I don't think that works when you're calling a game. Um, <laughs> well, we have learned a lot about uh, Norman Powell, and we're wondering, y'all have any questions about Rodney and Gary? Yes. I need to know your favorite on-court Gary moment, on-court Rodney moment, off-court Rodney moment, off-court Gary moment, and if you've ever seen Rodney's twin babies in real life. Whoa. Okay. I've never seen no either. Of, I've never seen the twins. Tara? Just in pictures. Just Have in you picture. seen them before, Kelsey? Only in pictures. I love them. I know. I know. It's going to be... Losing the twins is going to be tough. I mean, Damien has twins now. Ed Davis used to have twins. One of the coaches has twins. There's a lot of twins around. So we're definitely going to be missing those twins. Kelsey, do you want to start or uh, Cassidy, do you want to start on the on and off court moments? My favorite, I think, favorite Gary on court moment has to be that bubble moment where he it's that I I mean, it's the gift that everybody knows of Gary where he's just nodding his head and he's talking. Um, and I think that was the moment where we were all like, Oh, hello, Gary. Like, Oh, this is a big jump. Like, and we'd already seen a big jump in him being better and being great. But then it was like, Oh, Gary's like here to be great. And I think that was a really awesome on court moment. And I can't remember who we were playing. Honestly. 
Um, it may have been the play-in game, but that was my favorite on-court moment. Oh, off-court, the story with him and his best friend. Um, and I don't know if you all have watched the video yet. Um, there's a really great story. Um, Gary's best friend lost his ability. He was paralyzed, lost his ability to walk. And Gary's been, uh, has just kind of been there for him throughout the whole journey. And they've kind of gone through that journey together. And it, it, it was a really beautiful story. And I think that was just knowing how great he is on and off the court. And we, we already felt that, but just to see it at that extent was just really, really touching. How about you, Tara? Well, I'm going to talk about Rodney because as much as Gary is like his own hype man, uh, Rodney is kind of like the opposite. I, I feel like, I mean, I've never met him personally, but he seems like a little more shy and like he needs a little bit more nurturing uh, to build his own confidence. And when he came to Portland, he'd just been in um, Cleveland where things had not gone well. And there was like a famous time where like he refused to come off the bench um, when the coach tried to put him back in and so it was kind of like uh but when he came to portland he really uh embraced it and um i think for me the thing that i'll always remember from rodney and uh, cassidy alluded to it in the beginning is um his shot in the quadruple overtime uh against denver which is a team that is always so satisfying to beat but it took forever on that game to beat them and everybody was so tired i think Jokic had played like 65 minutes like most of our yeah. players had played around 60 minutes they were just like dead on their feet and the coach and like nobody would sub anybody they all just kept playing and in the fourth overtime coach called rodney and my favorite part about it, besides the sinking of the shot, is he just leapt off the bench and he skipped out. And it was like probably because he was cold because he'd been sitting for two hours. But like he also like it just looked so joyful and he just looked so happy to be in. And then when he sank that shot to end it and put everybody out of their misery, it was like the greatest thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely was. Um, oh, goodness. Well, of course, the bathroom selfies uh, for Gary uh, for oh, off court. I mean, I don't know what possessed him to like do those photos in the bathroom. And Greatness, Tara. Greatness <laughs> possessed him. I don't know why you would ever question that. <laughs> it's really inspiring, though. It shows you that there's just no limits. Like you don't ever let your not don't let anything hold you back. Don't let anybody tell you you can't do something. Also, the fact that he took all the selfies in the bathroom and someone had to go to the bathroom. He he left and then he went back in to finish the photo shoot is just everything you need to know about Gary Trent. Relatable. <laughs> Definitely relatable. Been there. <laughs> also, if you all have good NBA vintage stores around, Gary will find them. Like, we do, actually. We have he will few. find them and he will be best friends with the people that run them. Got it. <laughs> yeah. And that is one thing that was really cool about him is that while he was here, he supported a lot of local, like, uh, small, like, designers and, uh, you know, fashion um, designers. And it looks like, you know, even though OVO isn't small, he immediately recognized that as important uh, to the fan base. But, yeah, that was that's a cool thing about Gary is he seemed to, like, always want to be unique. There was a really great... Um, 
uh, interview where somebody asked him why he always looked that, and he said that his grandma always made sure that he looked fresh, which I thought was so cute. That is so adorable. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm trying to think of my favorite off-court moment for Rodney, and I the one that keeps popping into my head is there was a practice and it was his first practice back after the, the Achilles. And there was just shots from the Blazers photographer, Bruce Ely. Um, and he was just shooting in the gym, just, you know, getting some shots up. And just the look on his face was just this look of like relief and happiness and like determination that I just really admire about him. Because he will work to achieve what he wants and what he's like. And but he works for a collective whole, too. And it was never just about what I want to accomplish. It was like, oh, this is going to be how I help the team. And so I just think Gary's such I mean, not. I think Rodney is such a good role player in so many ways. And then I also think he can come into a game and, you know, run things if you kind of need him to. Um, But I think kind of in a similar way that y'all described Norman. I think it's better to have him in that second option role a lot of the time because it just helps. And then it just frees him up to just score when he needs to. He also seems like a wonderful husband, which is what I look for in basketball players that get traded to Toronto. Um, yeah, I mean, he just seems just like, he loves his family and he loves playing basketball. And then he like, then he goes home and he spends time with his, his family and then he goes and plays some basketball and then he comes home and it's like, and he seems like that's all he really wants to do that. He's so super happy doing it. And that's always just fun to watch someone who's just so into playing the game. I don't know. I really appreciate Rodney. And I think it's, it's going to be sad, especially because we have a mountain named after him. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, Mount Hood is our iconic mountain just outside. Um, but we have Powell's books and we have Powell Boulevard, which are obviously named after Norman. So um, he'll, he'll fit in well here. Uh, I, I thought of one more thing I wanted to ask y'all. Oh, yeah. A lot of people outside of the fan bases and even inside the fan bases and even me too sometimes are confused about why this trade even happened. So... What do you think about uh, why this trade happened? I mean, I think with Norm, um, it, it was a number of things, right? His contract is coming up, um, was coming up this summer. Um, and we'd already paid Pascal, we paid Freddie, we paid OG. Um, and because he'd played so well, essentially played himself into a 20 plus contract. And I don't think Masai was willing to pay him more than 20 million a year. Um, so essentially he, he, they traded him um, so that he could go somewhere that would be likely willing to, to pay on what we wouldn't be able to pay him here. Um, and I think, Part of this, the decision was uh, maybe wanting to skew a bit younger because we do have a lot of guys that are around the same age, um, 27, 20, 26, 27, 
Um, and so our core is kind of in the midst of their prime um, right now. And uh, Norm definitely would have fit that. Um, so I think the decision was to to go with somebody that we could develop um, in, in Gary. Um, and I, I think that's what kind of essentially led to to, to making the trade. I mean, it's, it's interesting because in Portland, we kind of felt like we had to get rid of Gary because we weren't going to sign that next contract. And so it's interesting to hear that we, we got a player that we're going to have to pay to. And I think that that's been a kind of a little bit of the, the back and forth with a lot of Portland fans. Um, but I can almost see, I mean, does he seem like a player who's going to want to stay in Portland past this season to you guys? I feel like he's going to be a Raptor for life and a Blazer for life. Like, I know it's been like five games, but he just fits in so well there. And I remember after the watching the first game and, you know, Dame's talking to him and he's got his arm around him and CJ's on the bench cheering him on. And I'm like, this is perfect for Norm. This is the exact kind of team that Norm needs. So I think, yeah, I think he'll be a Blazer for a very, very long time. If they pay Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I, I see him being a Blazer um, for a very long time. I, I think... Again, even with the Tribune, he made he he had a section where he um, he referenced the Blazers fans and, and and the fact that he was excited to be there. And um, just because you guys just have such a great culture and that's really important to Norm, I I, I do see him staying long term for sure. Yeah, I think also the um, not that I'm saying that this is going to happen, but. I- Blazers have a pretty good recent record of convincing guys to stay on the lower end of an offer. Um, you know, uh, they did that with Rodney the first time. Uh, Nurkic doesn't make a huge amount, um, you know, based on maybe how much he could possibly be making. You know, Melo took a um, veteran minimum to come and play. So I'm wondering if in some ways the uh, Blazer front office is betting on their ability to maybe convince him to not take the high end of of what he's worth. Um and I was already I've I've been pre-stressed out about Gary's restricted free agency uh, since like last summer because <laughs> and this is like so convoluted. But many, many years ago, the Blazers signed Ennis Cantor to an outrageous offer sheet. And um, so OKC had to match it. And so OKC had to pay like a ton of money for Ennis Cantor, who they ended up, I think, buying out um and the blazers got him got his canter on a uh on the buyout market and i was like oh karma is gonna so come back and get the blazers <laughs> this this restricted free agency and plus gary is represented by clutch um and so you know i was just thinking that you know, for those kinds of reasons, seeing the sort of the trajectories of the different guys like Norman might be more likely to just like want to settle and be comfortable somewhere that's the right fit. Whereas Gary's kind of like bright lights, big city and Toronto's like big city, big audience. I think that would be really uh, a good place for him. OG Ananobi's represented by Clutch, too. And we actually got him on a great deal. Really? Numbers. Yeah, so. The conspiracy doesn't run that deep. 
if anyone can kind of out clutch clutch, I think it's Masai Ujiri and the Raptors, which is why we need Masai to stay. <laughs> We're crossing fingers. That's the, that's the stress that we have right now. We don't know if Masai is staying past the summer and it's like eating us alive. <laughs> We're like stressed out. So, yeah. I mean, if he wants to come to Portland. Uh, that's the only place we'll allow him to go. <laughs> that actually gave me like a reaction. I was like, oh no, please, Masai, don't leave us. Listen, our players are only, our players, our executive, our coaches, everyone's only allowed to go to Portland from now on because this trade worked out so well. <laughs> we'll just trade people. It's fine. Back and forth. Yep. When are you all going to come to Portland? Y'all got to come and uh, when you can travel again. Yeah, exactly. When the world opens again, we will be there for your championship parade. Norm will be like, wait a minute. (laughs) (laughs) I recognize you. No. um, Yeah, no. As soon as things open up, I'd love to be in Portland. I'd love to visit. Minnesota, then Portland. (laughs) (laughs) We'll all meet in Minnesota and then we can figure it out. We don't have to do that. Let's do it. Might as well. As long as I'm out of Toronto for a couple of weeks, I'm good. <laughs> well, I feel like maybe it's about time for us to wrap it up. We've we've covered so much and we've talked about so many things. Um, where is the where uh do you all want to tell people where the best place to find your work is? Sandy? Um I'll streaming platforms uh we do have live pods occasionally when we have um an important matchup marquee matchup so um check us out there check us out on basketballnews.com um follow us on our twitter dishes and guns um and yeah that's it (laughs) (laughs) how about you kelsey yeah, same. Follow um follow our podcast at Dishes Dimes Pod. You'll see all of the hosts listed there. Um you can find us on basketballnews.com. You can find my written work on basketballnews.com. And yeah, thank you so much for having us on. This was great. Just a good feeling session. Seriously. Thank you guys so much. We will all get through this together. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for listening. Uh you can find me on Twitter at uh, Cassidy Gamet. Tara, where can people find you? I can be found at TCB Biggs, and you can find the podcast at We Have a Take. I'll let Cassidy finish us out because she's always got the good, the good voice to bring it to a conclusion. And if you've made it this far, please like and subscribe on whatever platform you use to get your podcasts. Tell us your own hot takes on our Twitter. As Tara said, it's at We Have a Take. And until next time, we'll be planning a trip to Toronto while the Dishes and Dimes crew plans a trip to Portland. And go Blazers and go Raptors!